excuse Cause you're always late of waiting totally rude Honey Great. Yeah. Hey, welcome to podcast uh, number nine <laughs> Go on, <Thank> sorry <laughs> Yeah We were talking about um, somebody that I really enjoy listening mm -hmm. to and some people don't like it but I think it's great Jordan Peterson and this, he's, a, he's an academic that is sort of in your face. And if you're a creative person, you're going to love this guy because he says things like this. Not everybody's creative. Very few people in the world are truly creative. And I'm just going, thank you. You know, I've sort of known that my whole life, but I got to sit back and listen to some jerk, you know, or some woman that made a pot when she was in the fifth grade tell me how creative she is and she's never done a thing the rest of her life you know but oh and talk yeah, about how you just need to open your third eye and get zen oh, and do yoga and your creativity will spiral yeah yeah you're just gonna be and and what i found is being creative is like it's kind of like being a um um it's kind of like it's kind of like a guy that has to carries nitroglycerin to the factory and back you know, between the, yeah. the truck and back, nobody gives a shit about it. You get blown up, but you're always carrying the nitro, you know. Mm -hmm. So if you're creative, you you go off on tangents. You you may not, um, you know, stick with something very long. You get divorces. You get, you know, because you're, you get. You're all you, over the place. You got the You're all over the place. And, and it's not that you're mean or anything, but you you get bored, you know, a lot. And, and I just noticed my whole I mean, I've changed careers five times. Most people don't change careers their whole life. Most people haven't moved out. Like I was, I, I got to talk with my high school history teacher and he still remembers me. He remembers where I sat and everything. And he told me that most of the kids that graduated from our high school live within about 30 miles of the high school, of the town. Really? You know, yeah, people don't, you know, if you start checking, you know, the roster at your reunions, a lot of them still never left town, you know, they settled down, married little Betty Sue, and then they named their kids, you know, um, Tyler and, and uh, Logan, and then, um, you know. <laughs> Isn't Logan the name of your kid? I know, I named yeah. I couldn't help it, I just throw myself in. Logan, you got named twice, you're yeah. also the imaginary kid. Well, there's a perfect example of somebody who's creative, who is pissed off, my son, and he's pissed off because he sees his friends who are not creative have got these jobs that either their parents gave them or they're, you know, they've stuck with it since ever. Well, he's, you know, he's got a master's degree. He's a smart kid, but he also, he loves to go surfing every day. He's got to have, you know, those kinds of distract, those kinds of uh, risk. He's got to take risk every day or he's not happy, you know, and then he, then he gets mad because he can't figure out why, you know, he doesn't own his own home and, you know, doesn't have, you know, a million dollar company. Well, he's not willing to, to, to do what it takes to have a million dollar company, you know, and uh, unfortunately he hasn't, um, and I'll tell us to his face, but he, he wants to know more, but it's the distraction keeps him from sitting down to learn more. I mean, we still have discussions about how to do his taxes and he's 33, you know. I mean, to be fair, I don't even know how to do my taxes. Okay, most people don't. I've yeah. had to learn how. I've had to learn how because 
um, it, it's just I've done it for so long, you know, and you find it's much easier to have a system and hire the right, you know, hire a smart accountant. Yeah. And but you're also a dad, and I feel like everybody goes to their dads to learn taxes. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. one of our great jobs, you know. Knowledge okay. of just instant taxes. Yeah. And you want to you wanna turn your kids off, say the word sex, and watch him get, just go out of the room. Does not want to hear anything, that, you know, from a parent about that. But taxes yeah. or fixing the car or how to paint something, you know. Yeah, yeah I'm really interested. In <laughs> but it, this this thing about, um, I would recommend everybody at least watch that first video that you sent me, uh, Jordan Peterson's, is it The Curse of Creativity? Yeah, The Curse of Creativity. It's like six I mean, minutes long. I'll link it on our yeah. Reddit. And so you good. Can, you can get into it and like, you know, like it or not, and some people think, like you said, they think he's a racist or he's a white supremacist. He's none of that yeah. stuff. He's just super honest. You know, mm -hmm. like people like this one. And woman, he refuses to change his language about things, and he talks about people real clinically. So it. He's smart. It, he, he's, he's freaking yeah. smart. <laughs> he's you know, you know, he's one of the, He sounds like a he's a national Canadian treasure. That's what yeah, called. he's probably has an IQ of 180. Who knows? Yeah, way up there. But one of the things he said about creative people is they're highly intelligent, you know, and it, he, he just talks about the curse of it. Like he said something that here's why a lot of people will not like him. If you think that you're going to get published writing, you know, a book, you know, your first book out the door, you have just, you have no idea how difficult it is. Damn near impossible. And I tried to tell people, I mean, I've been lucky because I've published a lot of books and I act like it's no big thing. I worked my ass off, you know, yeah, to do that. It's no small feat. It's huh? it's no small feat. Not it's everybody's no published, feet. you know. And, and I and I gotta be honest with you, in all my years of life, which is a lot of years, I've never met another writer like me that is actually doesn't have another job but writing. That's all I've done for the last 30 years. And before that, I mean, I'd never written anything. You know, before that, I was I was a stockbroker. I was, you know, yeah. an, an, a soldier. I was, you know, worked in the Forest Service. I was, you know, milk cows. I did every kind yeah. of, you know, Joe Jobs that there were and have an extensive collection of T-shirts and hay hooks, you know. It was great, though. Jobs. But, oh, my God. Um, it's just re refreshing to hear somebody. Oh, here's what it is. Somebody that has an academic credential. I mean, I, I don't have a PhD. I've got a master's degree. Whoopity-doo. That doesn't mean a lot to some people. But in academia, uh, a PhD is, you know, to them, that's the pinnacle, you know. So great. Mm -hmm. we've, got, we've got an advocate that, uh, you know, that is saying, things that if I said it or you said it, they would go, oh, you're just saying that because yeah. you, know, you, you want to sound like it's so hard. Well, duh, yeah. it, it is hard. By the way, there's another guy. I want to grab this book. Speak amongst yourself. <laughs> well, da, 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 da. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. I'm, so, I'm speaking in my own language, you know. know. Us creatives, we just... So there's Can't another. There's another guy. There's another doc. Doctor's name is Liam Hudson, and he wrote 
not just this book, which the is cult the cult of facts. But he also, his first book is, I just ordered it again. This is the third time I bought this book. But it is called um, uh, Contrary Imagination, Frames of Mind. And it's a book about human intelligence. And I learned about that book by, by listening to um, um, Malcolm Gladwell in Blink. And he was talking, and he said, yeah, sometimes you'll find you know, these obscure books. Well, that book on contrary imagination blew my mind because it basically said that you know if you the the guys that were the most creative and he what he did was he did his phd in in edinburgh and which is scotland but he he went all around all over england and everything to all these boys schools and 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 found and uh, for his phd and and found some interesting correlations and one was the guys that that scored the highest on the entrance exams were the least creative. And the guys that were the most creative couldn't get into colleges, couldn't get into um, Cambridge, which was the school that he went to. Well, this book, he talks about him getting hit about his luck of getting through. He almost got, he almost flunked out of Cambridge. He almost flunked out of the other um, super impressive school that um, he went to. You know, but but once he, you know, is smart guy, obviously, and once he got through, um, then he had that credibility to move on. But this is kind of what I want, what I saw as the purpose of this podcast. It's not so much to bring in a bunch of different people like we were doing, but it's it's if bring them in if they can give us little tidbits and secrets like. How do you get through the university? How do you get through all of that stuff? And not just by luck, but because you, as this Jordan Peterson says, you know, you, the, best, the best thing a creative person could do is get another job, you know, get a job and then do their, their art or their songs or, or any of that, you know, ask. ask just a, so you don't starve. So you don't starve. I mean, I remember there's a couple and they, they're, both of them were attorneys and they moved to Ojai and they were going to become, you know, they were going to write novels and be this famous novelist and stuff. And that lasted about three years. They never got anything published and they ended up getting divorced and they went back to work as, oh. you know, paralegal, you know, as attorneys, you know, and moved back, you know, to wherever the hell they came from. But people have this fantasy of the writer, you know, and he's got the, you know, the, the big, uh, uh, what's the dog with the long red hair that, you know, this beautiful dog and it sits on the couch while they write, yeah. you know, or some cat. They're writing by the window and the sea breeze walks the in and they just have this amazing and idea. A steaming cup of coffee right next to yeah. you. and you know, Or tea, like, if you're tea, British. Maybe yeah. a glass of wine after you get through a hard day of writing. Yeah. The reality, bubble bath. Yeah. In the reality, the guys that I know, there's a pile of cigarettes piled up, you know, cigarette butts piled up and a bottle of whiskey because they're so depressed, you know, they can't get through anything and they're just, you know, pulling their hair out trying to, and then they can't figure out why, you know, they can't find a publisher to get their book and, and their life is miserable. I mean, I've got a friend that's, he's like way better writer than I'll ever be. And he even knows how to spell and type and everything. He actually helped me with my, 
with my um, second and third or fourth book, um, my, uh, the, the book about, it was called uh, The First Time Investor. He would wow. type and I would speak. And I literally, I didn't know what I was doing, but I ran it. I literally wrote this book. My, this is my first business book. I wrote it in one week. I went up to Idlewild and I rented a cabin, got him to go with me. And um, we'd work together in Vietnam so we could work, you know, like get up at five o'clock and, and I'd get up and we'd make breakfast and then we'd start. And I literally would just walk, you know, pace around and just, you know, get pissed off about what I saw about in the investing world. And then he would, you know, he would be writing and then he'd ask me questions. And we literally, by the end of the week, we had 350 pages. Like, I remember him holding it up and he goes, wow, this has some heft to it. But don't get too excited. No one's going to publish it. That's what he said. And I went, nah, I, I didn't listen. I didn't listen to it. I never listened to anybody like that. I just, I have my own secret for getting published. I go out and find a book that I like, or say a book that I'm, I, I, I've got a similar book, say if it's a business book, you know, it would be a McGraw-Hill type book or, you know, a, a, a book like this. And if you open up the inside cover, you find out that, you know, the name of the publisher, there it is, you know, and you lots of times in the back or in the forward, they will say, you know, I really appreciate all, all appreciate all the help that um, Abigail Smith gave me in her edit, you know, in bringing this book. To, so I write a letter to Abigail Smith and say, hey, I've got a similar book. Would you like to look at it? Bang. And that worked. So I literally sent really? it. Yeah, I literally sent it wow. to three publishers, two great big ones, and then this and one that wasn't big, but it ended up being McGraw Hill. Um, it was a smaller publisher. Uh, I can't even remember the name of it, but that evolved. They bought that, and then that one was bought by by uh, Time Warner or something, and Time Warner sold it. Then it ended up, you know, ra uh, Random or McGraw Hill bought it. So. It was amazing. At one time, I'd go into the bookstore in the in the business section. I had a bestseller, uh, the first time investor, and I'd look over into the um, nonfiction section under Vietnam, and it was Recondo. So I'd have, you know, two books, and I thought this is easy. I just you know crank these things out, send them out, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I I I did I didn't have, you know, he was a he was. He had actually written a, his first book was called Tiger the Lurk Dog, and it was a fictional story about this dog that was our dog in Vietnam, and he got it published by Random House. So he had a connection, and that that's how I got in there. So one of my friends he recommended um, Gary Linder, you know, send his book into this editor, and he does. And so Linder had asked me about some episode some combat thing that I was in and I wrote 30 pages and sent it to him. First time I ever wrote 30 pages uh, uh, without, without somebody heavily editing it. And, and then he said, oh, this is really good. You should send this in um, to the, to my editor at Random House. And so I, I, I got it edited and I, um, I sent it priority. I sent it like priority mail or something or, FedEx or whatever, but I sent it on Tuesday and he got it on Thursday. He called me Thursday and said, hi, my name's Owen Locke. I want to buy your book. And that, you know, 
and he's one, he goes, I'm the editor at Random House. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, do you have it? You know, how much do you have it done? I go, oh, it's pretty much done. He goes, ah, you don't have it pretty much done. He says, how, how long, how, how much time do you need to get it finished? And I said, I don't know, a few weeks or a month ago. Now, you, A, I know you're bullshitting me. You don't have it done, which was true. I only had 30 pages. And B, um, I didn't know how long it would take. These are, these are, these are, these are traits of the dyslexic person. You know, I underestimate and overestimate all the time. I don't know how long something's going to take. I think it took a year. He gave me a year and it took a year, you know, to get it all written and edited and everything. But in your mind, it's all there. So of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I would see, and that was like, I could just put that on paper and it equals book. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would literally, I would go down to, I didn't, nobody told me to do any of this. I just figured it out on my own, but I thought, wow, if I'm going to write a scene about walking in combat, I should go down to the river. We have in Ojai, there's a little river creek, you know, creek with weeds that look, you know, tangled and everything. And I would go down early in the morning, like six o'clock in the morning when the sun was still just coming up or five 30 and walk in that kind of jungly thing. And come back and, you know, or I would tape it as I walked along, what it looked like, what it felt like crossing a stream in the early morning. And the, you know, the, the sun was just starting to shine, reflect off the water and, you know, the sounds. So it was great. I just duplicated, you know, so that Vietnam book I wrote in Ojai, you know, in Ojai woods, you know, for my, for my jungle scene. It's Vietnamese, like, I don't know. I, I feel like everybody's, I, I feel like the farmers, I, I, I kind of blame them because there's there's like this gatekeeping with describing things where it has to all be from your own head. You can't go look at anything else. You can't go experience anything else. You have to like write it just from sitting in like a dark room from your imagination, right? Like you can't, like if you were to draw a painting, like if you were to look at something while you were drawing it, it'd be less than who's, if who's you just telling you this who, when you say farmers who's telling you this like teachers just, not teach well yeah it, it's just like the attitude of like i i guess it comes from my generation if if you don't feel it because i don't know like so many artists online like people people insult you or not insult you but criticize you if you use references or anything like that well, first like, of all, I, I wouldn't have anything to do with those people. One of the things yeah. that Jordan Peterson said was something that I learned a long time ago is, you know, you need to call weed out people like I would have a success. And I had this one friend that would just always put me down. And anytime I ever had a success, he put the success down, you know, he and I got rid of him. I finally had to tell him, you know, get out of my house. I never want I'm never going to talk to you again because he would just insult me. And for some reason, I thought I'd had to take it you know like that's yeah. part of that curse of that suffering you know so you want to have people that promote you and people and first of all anybody that would tell you that you it's all comes from your head and you can't do all this you gotta that's a bullshit story that's somebody who has who is not creative because somebody who's creative is doing something that's never been done before that's the essence of creativity the essence of creativity is to take something from here and put it over there and make something new of it 
well, how are you going to do that if you're not allowed to go outside? You yeah. know, it's like, if you can't books. look at the world, how can you write your own world, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> if you can't, and, you know, and most of those people like your age, they really don't have that much experience yet. You're still getting experience. You know, how many divorces have you had? Exactly. You know, none, hopefully yeah. never, but I've had three. Okay. I'm kind of an expert on emotional trauma, you know, after three divorces, yeah. but, you know, I, I, I help a family, um, every month in my, my Cambodian family. And, and I, you know, I send a lot, quite a bit of money to them every single month. And I mean, enough for six people, you know, in, yeah. even yeah. though it's Cambodia, the prices are still high, but it's, it, it's, um, I, I, I forgot what, where I was going with this. What were we yeah. talking about? We were talking about uh, people kind of gatekeeping art and you're not allowed to have worldly experiences or you're not allowed to reference oh. the whatever. Yeah. Well, what I was going to reference, what I hear, I sort of got off on the topic of that, but I looked at myself as I'm well-trained to support a family in Cambodia. You know, like donate money to a family because I've done spousal support and child support on my <laughs> divorces. So I'm already pre-trained. But this time I get to choose the family that I get to support. It's not like some court is saying you've got to, you know, pay, you know, five thousand dollars a month to an ex-wife. I mean, I get to, you know, I don't have to do that, but I'm trained at it. I'm it's like I I didn't understand the concept of tithing, you know. And in most religions have tithing, and that just means you give like if you're a Mormon, you give um 10% of what you earn to the church for tithing. Well, I didn't, I always thought that's ridiculous. I can't, you know, I give 10% to myself or I didn't, you know, what value yeah. is that? Well, in a way, my donating, it's just about 30% of what I make, I donate. Yeah. I get so much value out of that. If I, and, and I've never missed a donation. I, I've never, I've never um, gone without by helping somebody else. I mean, I not only do I it's get like this, spiritual value. It's almost spiritual. Like, yeah. it's, it is. It's spiritual. And I, you know, I get such a great feeling out of helping other helping this family in particular. And I've got other a whole bunch of other little projects I haven't even thought about, but they're still out there that I support. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's the person. This is this is the person that I wanted to become. And it's another thing this Jordan Peterson talks about you know he talks about write out your story and make yourself a hero in your story i'm the hero in my story you know yeah. i mean i'm the hero for that family they just they think i'm a hero you know and they were poor and i've moved them you know literally up into middle class and the one girl now is going she's starting her second year at rural university and i and she's studying criminal law this year and i you know what does she want to be but I'll tell you what she wants to be. I'll read it to you from her letter. Um, well, here we go. Thank you so much for all she... This is, she wrote this on the Thank you so much for all that you give some money for me. I'm so happy to see all of you 
can help me out and I promise to try more to study. Remember, she's this is she's writing in a second language and you know she's this young girl that that that's just learned English in the last couple of years. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm finished school for four years, I can find a good job for myself and my family. I want to be a lawyer in the future. Okay. Yeah. How many poor girls in Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, Burma, Thailand, whatever, have a goal of being a lawyer? That's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> they don't have that poor? opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And the way that it works, this is a sustainable thing because it, she'll take, they're very strong about family. There is no retirement fund. There is no spousal support. There is no child support in Cambodia. When a guy gets through with his wife, he just leaves. He finds another younger woman and goes as a kid. It's terrible. You know, men are, that is a patriarchal society of tyrants from the prime minister all the way down. I don't like the men, most of them, but I love the women. I think they're beautiful and they're, they're kind and they're, um, they're family oriented and they're the center of the family. And that daughter, when she, she will do that, she'll make sure the next sister she goes to school and gets through and the next one will help the next one and then they'll support and i got a letter and said you know don't worry when you get old i take care of you you know i didn't ask that you know i'm not asking for that but great you know but you have somewhere to go when you you don't have to go in a home i know know, finally i'm so glad i don't have to go in a home yeah that was my grandpa's only wish is that we wouldn't stick him anywhere yeah who wants to be in a home i don't yeah, I hope I don't get in a home. I'm gonna have some uh, kids, and hopefully but, they'll like me enough to yeah, but scare you me. Yeah, earphones. You're you're headed for a home. Yeah. Sorry. They'll be like, "Okay, mom, that's cringy. Yeah, We're not. We don't want you here." Oh, so here's what I wrote down um, for today. But I thought, you know, one of the things, and I wish Christmas here because I want her input in this too. But mm-hmm. um, first, there's structure and. And I've sent this to you before, but this is my daily structure. I have to live by a schedule, and I have to remember this, or, or, you know, I'll just go out and like the, change change my tires or something. I feel like that's what's missing from my life because I've been I've been trying to structure my life now that because you know the second you get into college, it's all you make your own because school mm-hmm. kind of does it for you the whole six hours, and now that I'm kind of figuring it out by myself, like. If I don't have any obligations, I don't really have a reason to get out of bed earlier than yeah, you know. You, like don't, you have have you written out a three year goal? I have no, and I haven't. haven't. I keep trying to and I get halfway through and it's like You know why you don't? I can tell you why. Why? Well, if you write your goal and you don't make it, you're gonna feel bad about it. So most people don't do that. They'd rather stay vague about everything and not really have a, a firm goal. But I mean, I've got goals that I wrote. I keep, I keep like, here's one that I, I love this one. I wrote this in 1990. 1990? Oh yeah, my God. Okay. You can see it. But if you look at what I'm saying, I don't know if you can read it or not. Three books published. Uh, yeah, three books. I wrote that in 1990. I'd never written anything. I'd never written a book. Um, I wrote um, House in the Mountains Ski Resort. I've had that before. Three books published. Um, 
feeling of well-being at home, feeling of excitement at home and with my family, um, um, body in shape, excellent health, pain-free. I used to feel pain all the time from being an athlete when I was younger. Find one thing fun, exciting to do every day. Master the word. Listen to this. I swear to God, master the word processor. You still had word processor. I didn't even have a computer. It's the word processor, you know. Word processor. Oh my God. Yeah, we even talked like that because we had to use D base, you know, D. Um, uh, well, it doesn't matter. I yeah, I don't it. know what that is. Yeah, D1 That's, resort every uh, Six every years month. before I was born. <laughs> Surprise myself with what I can accomplish. Find people who support my goals. Live with peace and happiness in my family. Um, new clothes, furniture, or family. Three-year goals of uh, goal is a publishing and productive a publishing company set in the mountains, like a lodge where writers and artists can live and work. Create books and articles that make That's a difference so in people's lives. You know, and it's just yeah. I wrote this one-year goal for 1990, and I'm like. Oh my God, I, I was 43 years old. I wrote that down. So I was 43. And I hit every one of those goals. I mean, it, it's amazing, you know, but there's something about writing them down. And, and, uh, and yeah, I don't, I don't even have to keep looking at it. I just wrote it down and I stick it in here, you know, stick it away. But yeah. I, I keep that as a reminder how important it is, you know, every year to, or you know every so often to sit down and really write your goals if you don't know the direction of where you're going i mean i can't believe this isn't required in colleges but how in the shit do you think you're going to end up with a you know a, a nice retirement a family live in uh, in comfort and have a home and all of these things unless you're going in that direction you know if you're all over the place you're going to constant, and this is again. This is for the. This is back to the creative and worthy. It's our biggest problem: is how do you keep from going all over the place? Well, Jordan says it really simple: grow up. Grow up. I mean, that's a hard thing for people to hear. It's why a lot of people don't like him. But it's like you got to grow up, take responsibility. It doesn't mean you have to act like an old person or an asshole, but it just means if you're going to become a writer and make your living at it you're gonna that's a big responsibility to make money and 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 find the time to do it and all the things it's going to take you know learn the word processor <laughs> i just love that i wrote that down i mean it's, nobody even says that anymore i don't even know exactly what a word processor is it's a computer it's a computer, it's a computer? we call them word processors back in the day you know when the apple that's so vintage out, Thank you. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome, though. So, so anyway, I, I've sent this to you before, but this I have to look at. It's worn. I have to put tape on it because I wear it out. But I have to remember. I have to read this about once a day, almost my whole life, and it goes like this: um, Start my day off by finding out what information others need, and during the day, you know, get focus on my strengths. And then number one. Have everything ready before I beginning before beginning a task. So if you looked at my office, or if you looked, if I just showed you over there at my desk, it's see, it's super clean. Everything's on the wall. 
I know exactly what I'm, where things are and what I'm going to do because I've had to. Okay. I don't like to, but I have to clean it up at night. I have to do all that, you know? Yeah. Eliminate. You'll lose track of everything. Oh, yeah. Eliminate unnecessary information. That's a biggie. You know, all those distract. You got 25 things because if you're creative, this shit's hitting your mind like that. I can think of 50 things, you know? So you got to eliminate the unnecessary. And then this one is give yourself a deadline. That's big for me. Put things in time. I, I, I can't give myself a deadline on things because I'm. You can't. You make it fun. It's see, deadline sounds like drop dead, like dead. Yeah. But a deadline just means see. The next part of it is race to try to hit your deadline. You know. In other words, mm-hmm. I'm trying to create dopamine. I know what I need to be creative. I can either take drugs or do things. Go, like I, you know, I run, I go outside, I work out, I lift weights, I swim, I move, I move, I move. That creates dopamine. I'm constantly trying to figure out ways to create more dopamine. Well, why do you think people procrastinate? Why do students procrastinate? There's, there's no dopamine in there's no dopamine. They wait till the last minute and there's a ton of dopamine and you will stay up all night long, you know, studying your thing because if you don't, you're going to flunk out. Man, that is a great motivator. Being in combat is one of the best mo- mo- dopamine creators. If you're surrounded by enemy, by a bunch of guys that are trying to kill you with machine guns, you have got a ton of dopamine going, you know, no problem. Yeah, I bet, or you'll die. So my next one is um, make time for thinking, learning, personal awareness. So that's make time for watching guys like Jordan Peterson or whoever else it might be. Yeah. Create an Most environment. Of you that, while doing chores, it's great. Yeah. Create an environment that nurtures you and allows you to be yourself. So you want your environment. One of the other things I, I love, you said, and the other thing about creative people, their walls will probably, if they're artists, will be covered with paintings. Look at my walls. My walls are covered with paintings. Every yeah. inch of the whole place has a has, has paintings. So I'm like, yes, this, he's my guy. He's speaking. He was really speaking to me. Communicate your goals to others. Well, I'm telling you what my goals are. You know, I tell you what my goals are, what I'm up to, what I'm trying to do. Um, skip, here's, here's. remember I said create a deadline. Skip from one thing to the next without finishing what you started. Okay, so it's kind of a, I thought you said create a, 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 a deadline. Yeah, but I'm going to skip around. Because I got a lot of, I want to keep, I want to keep. I love that because it gets boring. Just if you know you're just working on that same project day after day, it's like. And you got to take time to do nothing once you finish something. So now what I'm going to add is something that Jordan talked about, but is you got to stay healthy. And that means not, you know, drink in moderation, do drugs in moderation, do whatever you're Mm going to do in moderation and not, and, and you you can't support your creative habit if you're not healthy. And a lot of people think that writers just sit and get fat and, you know. They look like the guy who wrote Game of Thrones. No hate on that guy, but he looks like uh, yeah. needs exercise. You got to exercise because later in life, when you get my age, you want to still be able to be vibrant and think. And when people just sit home, watch television, they're, it's the quickest way for their for the muscle called the brain to atrophy. 
you know, and you get dumb and that's, and I don't want to get dumb any dumber than I already am. Um, oh, here's one that you brought up that I thought was a good one to, to you know how you'll hear, um, okay, first of all, clap your hands, jump up and down really quick because you almost fell asleep. No, I didn't almost fall asleep. Yes, I saw you, I, you yawned. I drank a whole cup of coffee and then I sat down and for some reason it makes me feel tired. Like yeah. if I'm not moving, I'm sleepy. I can tell you why, but you could go on like <laughs> on YouTube and look up this thing about fasting and you, you really explain why drinking the coffee makes you tired and you think yeah. you're ramped up. It but, gives you energy for like what, like forty five minutes and then for the rest of the time it just it's pretty much just it's drains a habit. you. Yeah. yeah. Better to drink tea, but I like coffee too. Yeah. Okay. I also feel like it's an ADHD thing that if you're not moving, you get kind of tired, you know? Yeah, true. Go on though. I actually really want to hear the rest of the list. Okay. And I want you to take a picture so we could put it on our Reddit so other people can oh. absorb the information too. What? Um, you always hear like my favorite, one of my favorite mythologists is joseph campbell he talks about following your bliss we talked about that in one of the earlier podcasts well following your bliss is really just following the thing that makes you happy you know your art or whatever it is that you're doing but but one of the things that um peterson said was he didn't quite agree with with just the pure following the bliss because that's like those two lawyers I told you about that moved to Ojai following their bliss and they're going to be writers and it didn't work out. You got to be follow your bliss, but you got to be smart about it. Yeah. And what that really means. It needs to be means, sustainable. Yeah. And what following your bliss means if I'm a writer, if I'm writing and I'm getting, I've set it up where I get a lot of constant little feedbacks. Like I, one of the things that I always did when I wrote books, like I was writing five books a year but I was writing three columns in a magazine a month. So I sometimes five columns. So each time I got an article done, I got a hit, a dopamine, you know, serotonin or whatever the hell it was. I got a hit off of it. So, you know, you write the book, it's a year to write it, a year to get it, you know, find a publisher, another year by the time it comes out, you know, there's a, it's a three year process. That's a lot of delayed, long, long delay. Well, you want to create a lot of little hits along the way. And what Joseph Campbell was saying is if you're following your bliss, you're always going to be, you're always going to generate, you know, these good feelings about what it is that you do. When I'm writing, if I'm writing a screenplay, for example, I'll get lost in it. I'm creating the movie. I'm lost. I look up and hours go by, you know, and it's so much fun. Now, Will I sell the screenplay? I don't know. I've actually sold the screenplay, so I've got a good possibility I'll sell another one. But what following your bliss for me means is I get those little hits, the little hits of serotonin along the way, which makes me feel good about what it is I'm doing. You know? Okay. Yeah. The other. Um, so there was there's that, and then um, who are you? Now this comes from somebody completely. This is a billionaire that gave his secrets about what, you know, how, how to become really rich. But he said, um, the best indicator of your future wealth 
is to look at your friends. You know, mm -hmm. your friends are your best predictor of success. So if you're around a bunch of losers, pretty much you're, you might as well figure you're not ever going to really amount to a whole lot. Um, but if you're, but if your friends are smart, like your dad, like I think of all, all of my friends, most of my friends are doctors, professionals, CEOs, head, you know, heads of companies, um, yeah. athletes, um, uh, superstar, you know, former ranger, you know, these guys that are high level, that's great because when you're around those people, it, you know, it's, it sort of motivates you to be great or to do the yeah. best. Yeah. It, it's like competitive, but like in a healthy way where like yeah. you want to be able to talk about stuff with your friends like that. Exactly. And, um, and you should, you should take the time to write about who it is that you want to be, you know, write, write who that person is. Do, does it, is it the person, do you want to be somebody that, 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 um, you know, makes, makes enough money that they can, they can be a philanthropist. I mean, I really, I like saying that word being a philanthropist. I want to be one. I want to be somebody that, and, and like I thought, wow, I could write a book on poor man's guide to being a philanthropist, which is an oxymoron, you know, I'm the poor man's guide because I don't have I don't have billions of dollars or, or millions of dollars that I could just give it all away. But I've figured out a system to support, of you know, and create my own charities in a way. You know. Yeah. I yeah. mean, your family that you're supporting in Cambodia is like proof enough. I yeah, think. and that, and I'll probably will write. I mean, that I'm going to write that down when we get through. Poor man's guide to philanthropy because it's it's, a, it's an interest it's a kind of a title that would catch somebody because it's what how could that be you know um so that was kind of my new list of of um practices or things that that you should practice or could practice i like that you have anything you want to add or ask uh, questions about yeah it I, every time you ask me what I want to add, I always feel like uh, all of a sudden everything I was thinking about goes out the window. Or maybe yeah. it's just being on camera. I don't know. It used to get real stage well, party. But it makes me think about what I want to do and who I want to be because I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately and I've been listening to a lot of people like Jordan Peterson and then we have these Zooms and stuff. And I don't think it's enough that I just want to do art because, you know, like, what is that? I mean, where am I going? Do I want to be an author? Do I want to be an artist? Do I want to be a poet. poet? Do I want to whatever? I, I started um, on a book the other day. It's my little black book with my poems in it and short stories. Right. <laughs> and I, I put together everything, all the random little things that I wrote throughout the year together. And it's, it's like a, almost enough to be an actual book if I edit it and add like I don't know handful more poems and there I go yeah. but and how hard was that yeah. to do that it, it took me like an afternoon it was stuff I've already written throughout the year stuff I wrote for class and stuff I wrote because I just had some random idea just like fun things and I it got me really excited to think about writing again but wow. then every time I think about sitting down and actually editing that I'm like 
I feel like I have that wall. Like well, that's the critical like voice. I, that's I, your I farmer voice. Aim. We should call it. We should call it your hunter voice and your farmer voice because we have yeah. it. The farmer yeah. voice is the critical voice. You can't do that. What that? You know that's mm -hmm. wrong. I mean, oh my God! What? Look at you misspelled this. And it's if you examine that voice, if you really listen to it and become aware of it, it ain't you. It might be yeah. your mother. It might be your father. It might be your te yeah. some teacher. Your it's your somebody. critical peers at school. Yeah. Our critical peers. It's yeah. somebody. You know, I've got this friend that's no longer a friend anymore, but I can't. I mean, he almost spent a good part of his of our growing up making sure that I felt unworthy and like a failure. You know, yeah. that was I Friends was like that. You don't need enemies. You don't no. Yeah. You know, And it's it's amazing that I kept him for a friend for so long until I, until he insulted what I was doing in Cambodia. And then I just went, okay, you can insult me because I'm worthless, but you insult my Cambodian, you're fucking out of here. You know, I don't ever want to talk to him again. But I started looking at how self-centered that person is and how they were actually pulling off my energy, you know, to feed their own, you know, their own. Yeah. Jordan Peterson actually kind of talks about that in the sense of like, he uses the Cain and Abel story that a lot of people are like Cain where other creative people, other really successful people around them are like, you know, they're more are like Abel, like you love, they're your ideal and they're who you want to be and they're like, you know, yeah, whatever. But at the same time, it makes you angry because you're not that. And of course you could work harder or you could kill that person off in your mind or like bring them down to your level, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. There's a really funny story that um, Steve Martin was on um, when Steve Martin was on Saturday Night Live as a, as, you know, he's done a whole bunch of stuff on Saturday Night Live, but he was on it with um, Bill Murray and they were playing um Bill Murray was the, um, was the, uh, they were like Grog, you know, and, and Bill Murray was the really smart, was the smart guy. And Steve Martin was the, was, was one of the dumber guys. And, and everybody, it showed them all listening to Grog, you know, listening to Bill Murray, you know, who was Grog. And, and he was giving all these, you know, he was, oh, you're the smartest in the village. And so, one night when Grog was sleeping, Steve Martin's character sneaks up with a great big rock and smashes Grog's head. He goes, now, Steve's smartest man in village, you know, and that's what these people are. They, they, yeah. you know, they think eliminate you, you know, now they're going yeah. to, I'd love that. I probably didn't tell it right, but. No, 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 that's, that's perfect. Because no, that's exactly right. Like though, by, by killing you off or killing your, creative spark that now they're they're better yeah they think because, that it's gonna make them better whatever i don't want a guy like you sitting next to them because then they, they look bad you know but if you both look bad then maybe they'll look a little bit less bad than you and yeah you know. if you're you know i i one time read that people it's not like we in this hierarchy you know we have a hierarchy of our friends all we want to be is we just want to have a nicer car than our best friend or just a house that has one more bedroom than our best, than our friends. You know, not like we don't need to have a gigantic mansion. I mean, you can, yeah. you know, if that's your goal. Um, 
but most people just want to have just a little bit, you know, better, you know, and if you're poor, you want to just have, you know, a little bit nicer bucket to pee in, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. A shinier shack. A shinier yeah. shack. My yeah. roof has less holes in it. But yeah. I, I think what the, the main takeaway from this thing is that not everybody is creative. And if you're creative, wow, God bless you. I mean, what a great gift you are to the world because it's, you know, they're the guy, they're the men and women that are going to end racism or, or find the cure for cancer or, you know, uh, farmers aren't going to do that. Farmers do what farmers do. They're very methodical and make sure everything runs great, but they don't take risks and go out and do things, you know, outside of the norm, outside, you know, something that's really risky. Yeah. So, um, I, I remember I, there when this is in like, I mean, this is really aging me. This is like 1957. 1950? I was in like the fourth grade or something, whatever, fifth grade. And they had a contest. General Motors had this contest. You know, it was a nationwide contest for grammar school kids to design a car. And I designed this car. And, it, um, you know, I didn't have supportive parents, so no one ever followed up and sent it in. But I kept the car for a long time. I kept the car until, matter, matter of fact, I was like in my 30s when I found the box and it was still in there and I just threw it away. But I looked at this car and I got to tell you, it looks a lot like a modern today, um, um, like a like a Mercedes golf wing, you know, sports car. And I designed it in 1956. But oh my God. nobody, you know, and I made a model. I made it out of clay. I made, you know, so... It, and you were supposed to put wheels on it. I didn't know I was going to do that, but I just made the chassis out of it. And it looked really super modern. And that's back when cars were just coming out of the, almost like the model, you know, the big frumpy looking Buicks yeah. and all that big stuff. Big jets. Yeah. And I just wished I would have kept that model because it was so far, it was so ahead of its time. And I'd have little instances like that, but I didn't have parents that recognized that, you know, in my school, in the fourth grade, there was a music class and there was, they had three violins. I really wanted to be in the class, but I was late, <laughs> ADD. I get there yeah. and the three violins were gone. So there was no violins or no other instruments for me. Well, I didn't have parents that would buy a violin. I mean, oh my God, that would be 30 or $40, you know, or $5 yeah. to rent it, you know, for about. So that was out of the question. I never even asked. I just figured that, you know, if it's not there, and so I, I didn't, and I, I didn't have those kind of parents, but I'm now the kind of, like I'm the, the grandparent that will just make sure if the kid has any creativity at all, I'm going to support it, you know, just like your dad does you, right? Yeah. I mean, like, you're I, I can do whatever creative pursuits I want. I don't get hassled. You don't get hassled. I mean, yeah. you know how amazing that is? Because you hear about, you know, you see on these sitcoms all the time of, you know, the Archie Bunker kind of a guy or the all in the family guy that just, you got to get out there and get a job, you know, what do you think? You know, like my former wife, Karen, her dad, um, she wanted to be a, uh, I forget, I don't know what she wanted to be, but 
um, it was something that was out of the ordinary. He would, he just wouldn't have it, anything to do with it. You've got to, you know, you've got to take uh, dictation skills and do all that so you could be a secretary, you know, so you can be a secretary for the president of the company. So what are you thinking, you know, running a company, you know, that's way, yeah. that's way my parents' generation was. And a lot of people that are stuck in that box, you know, because they haven't figured a, yeah. a way to, to, you know, support their own family. I still kind of feel like that's a Cain and Abel thing because, like, it is Cain you and almost Abel. don't want your kids to be more successful than you because then, what does that say about you if you have it's a the reflection? Same? It reflects yeah. you. The reflection. Like you could have them. done that, and now you have it. So yeah. you're yada yada yada. And this all comes back to the one one of the reasons why they don't like Jordan Peterson. His is like, grow up, be a yeah. man, be a woman. You know, you, and what that means to him or to me anyway is accept the responsibility you know yeah he always that's his big thing is um he he's talking to both men and women but he he's feels like there's no more conversations anymore with about men with accepting responsibility and the sense of like growing up you know it's it's do what you want to do be comfortable like follow your whatever yeah. but not yeah no more accepting responsibility and that's like i have big I part have of life I have difficulty with my son because he will say, hey, um, we'll get together uh, tonight. And I won't hear anything yeah. from him. Well, when you tell me get together tonight, it means I'm going to not make any plans. I'm going to get together. For him, because I'm his father, if something better comes up, like a girl or his friends, I'm down on the list. Well, I can be an asshole about it, which I'm trying not to be, or be understanding about it. But I got to tell you, in the, the business world, I mean, I come, I learn responsibility by being on a ranger team yeah. behind the lines in Vietnam. And here's what if happens. you don't show up when you say you're going to show up. If you Vietnam, don't show up like... at the AO, at the at the um, landing zone, the um, not AO, but the LZ, at a certain time when that helicopter comes up, comes out there, when the helicopter leaves, it leaves. You know, if you're late, yeah. you're late. You know, you're not going to get on the helicopter. They'll think you're dead or something and just probably yeah. move on. And you just learn this, that, you know, you're responsible for everybody on your team. We had a five-man team. I'm responsible for them, and they're responsible for me. And we all had our missions. Mine was to be on point, to look forward ahead, look up above and to the side. People in the back were responsible for the radio, for the looking out to the sides and for the rear. So everybody had had a position, and you get that ground into you. You come back from when you get out of the military, and you go to college, and people are going like, "Hey, dude, you know, yeah, skip school, you know, skip a class." What? And I'm like, yeah. "Whoa, you know, uh, I don't think so." Yeah. Forgo yeah, all responsibilities. This will be fine. Your whole life will put itself together. Yeah. You know, well, I, it will because you can't stop it, but you'll needlessly suffer or whatever. Yeah, and being responsible too means just like, I mean, smoking weed. Okay, it's great, it's fun, and all of that stuff. But if you're not responsible to get yourself up and go to work the next day, mm -hmm. you might better think about quitting smoking weed or drinking mm -hmm. beer or, you, you know, any of those kinds of things. So, you know, if you want to party, fine, but you have to do it responsibly. Yeah. And people don't think that. 
it recently i i've gotten sick of how i don't know just like no responsibility do do whatever i want all day kind of thing because it's summer right you know don't have any school responsibilities but i don't want to just stay up all night with my friends and then wake up whenever and then just roll into my day like i've been trying to like my new system it's not like a schedule yet but i i want it to be i want to have some sort of schedule where i'm going to try to i'm going to bed at least midnight which is still pretty bad still pretty late but it's better than it was before which is like two three in the morning you know like mm-hmm. whenever I feel like going to bed and I'm waking up at 9 30 or 9 like because I heard 30 minute difference doesn't really hurt your sleep schedule mm-hmm. then I exercise and then I do maintain my environment yeah like do a bunch of chores and like my bed is new today can't see it. <laughs> but I made my bed you know like I I and then after that I'll do something creative like try to write or draw or do podcasts and then take a break because what I did before was I'd wake up really late and go to bed really late and hang out with my friends till like two or three in the morning and then I did that because I the second I woke up it was work 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 do nothing but like clean or some do try to do something creative try to do like just like no break until I burnt out yeah. and was so miserable I couldn't not stop mm. and you know and then I'd hang out with everybody and feel real guilty about it because you know and that's a vicious like, cycle that you yeah. can get into and it's almost like what keeps you in bed too because why get out of bed in the morning if you're gonna work your ass off for no reward until you feel miserable and like you know yeah. it's it's, it, I, I'm just sick of it I just want to Good for you. Try to get structure, do something different, you know. The other part of it for me is creating meaning in your life. And for me, if I just lay around and don't do anything, those five little girls in Cambodia aren't going to get fed. Yeah. You know, and they're going to be back poor again. You know, it's it's yeah, and be miserable. It's easy to go back being poor. I mean, it's all it means is you know, I if I stop the money flow. There's no how. There's no rent for the house. There's no money for the food, and that means the mother has to get do some kind of. And she's, I I don't mean to say this in a demeaning way, but she's illiterate. She has a third grade education. Yeah. But she grew up just the, during Pol Pot when everybody yeah. was murdered for having an education. So she, you yeah. know, the the prime minister of Cambodia has a third grade education. It's like that was a. <laughs> That's big the deal. culture, you know. Like so, you can't. You what are you going to do with a third grade education? You, cl- you can clean somebody's apartment, clean or, you know, stuff like that. And that, that, and I know if I miss that obligation, um, some it's, it, it's going to have a consequences. Well, I don't, one of the other things that you need to know when you set up taking on a big project, like a family like that is yeah. not to make it a burden. Now it sounds it sounds like I just said a burden. Yeah. I stay out ahead of it, so I don't create it as a burden. You know, I stay out ahead of it, trying to either um, I'll raise money from some of my friends. You know, when I like I've got some big expenses, so I'm going to do a GoFundMe thing, and I want you to look at this video that I'm doing. So 
I'll try to stay out ahead of the money situation so it doesn't strangle, you know, it doesn't then, because if I'm dead, then they're dead. I mean, if I yeah. can't produce, it, the whole thing crumbles in. I mean, that makes sense. It, 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 a lot of people were real sensitive about language nowadays. So saying something's a burden like that, it sounds really aggressive, right? People would get upset about that. But it's, it's true in the sense that if something's putting a lot of pressure on you, like even if it was like your own kids, your own family, it, that's going to reflect on your relationship with them too. Like when you talk to them. Well, so you here's can't another, just like let it get out of control, you know. Here's a way. Here's a way you could put a burden on yourself. And I don't know how many units you're taking, but the average when I was in college was 15. I think I'm units. taking five huh? next semester. I'm doing part time because of physiology, psychology. So I I pushed my units up to 17 units a semester because I wanted to hurry. And mm. what and that created so much pressure on me, and I had to. I had to drop this out of this one class. And because I dropped out of that class, I went below the 15 units. And back in 1967, if you went below that, your de college deferment went from a, a, a 2S to a, a, a whatever, whatever, I, whatever the, the number it was when you could be drafted. And I got drafted. I mean, I was going to be drafted one, one, one A or something. Yeah, I guess one A or whatever it was. And I literally went down, I got creative. I went down to my draft board and I talked to them personally. Nobody thinks you can talk to your draft board, but they're just guys, you know, sending these young men off to be murdered back then. But I said, Fun. look, I'll, I'll volunteer if you let me stay one more semester. Let me finish out the semester so I can get my AA degree and then I'll volunteer. I'll sign, you know, whatever. To and they get, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. So they gave me a, you know, they, they didn't draft. I mean, they gave me a deferment. I got my deferment back, I guess, with lower units, but that's when I knew I could talk my way out of shit, yeah. you know, which is another part of the creative process. Definitely, definitely. Hey, um, I don't know if you want to not record this, but I want to show you this video. That I've got. I, yeah, no, I want to see it. I also saw you sent me something in an email too, but I, I wanted to talk to you in real life about it because <laughs> I'm not lazy, but easier well, and we could have like a dialogue back and forth about it it's better okay so let me just see if i can do this Look. why so what is your feelings that you are kind of the person in america we should be okay so we're all over the world helping everybody in the world you can actually probably screen share this you don't have to turn around your camera necessarily nothing like what i think we should be doing we should be cleaning up all the wet all the bombs that we dropped that's the my mother always told me you clean up your mess Right. But we don't. None, we, we haven't. Because, and I think it's because most people don't even know about it. So, what, so okay. that's what I'm trying to do. So what did you expect then? What did you expect of the world know about Cambodia? My, my expectation? I haven't gone that far. I'm just, <laughs> that's, it's, that's too big of a question. I'm just working on even just telling the story. The way I describe it is Cambodia was in the shadow of the Vietnam War. So people only think about Vietnam War, Vietnam War, and they don't want to talk about Vietnam War. So Cambodia gets dropped out, you know, the whole bombing. And there's been there's been new um, information that came out of more bombs were dropped on Cambodia than in all of World War II. 
people going, oh my God. people of America don't even know much about it, because it was all erased to my roots. But I had, before that time, we were allies. That's why I say betrayal, because when Pol Pot was in office, because he was fighting against Vietnam, we thought, well, he must be the good guy. So they, so Reagan and, and Thatcher and, and England um, gave money to Pol Pot. He had no idea what he was doing at the time. So it's like, oh, it's so disgraceful. This is what happens when nobody in the State Department is Cambodian or speaks yeah. Khmer. I've seen before, before Pol Pot, they also have a, some, a, lot of, a lot of issues about you know, yeah. Vietnam and also America. But I'm trying why during that first part in the middle of the yeah. situation, mm -hmm. why anyone quiet? Why anyone like? Why any country quiet? Not helping Cambodia? Why they didn't come and help? Yeah. That's what I want to know too, because I would, I would have gone. I mean, that's what I thought I was doing in Vietnam. We should have been here, you know, as a soldier. I was an army, was in the army. <laughs> It's very, it's very tough topic. It's I know, it's a topic, topic. and it twists and winds, <laughs> and that's why I'm writing about it, because it's so, nobody wanna, likes about I, it. I want to read about your book, well, I, when, when it's finished. I love that. Also, did you edit that? That video was better than the one you showed me the other day. Kristen edited it. Yeah, that's good. She's good. Yeah, but, so you liked it? Did it? It could have just stroked the edit down a little bit yeah. more. Also, next time you show me a video, you can screen share, so it will oh. make your whole screen. I tried to tell you, but it was it was loud. But the volume was really good on it, actually, so I didn't complain that much. You know, that was totally... We'll probably have a lot of audio listeners. I didn't even know who that woman was. That was a total by accident. And I just found it the other day you know, when Kristen was here, and yeah. so she edited that. She found it. Here's how Kristen is so amazing. She... Um, went into my, I've got a new, um, you know, PC computer, mm -hmm. and um, she went in and found an editing program that was in the, you know, in the program. Yeah. Never they saw come with a lot of operating systems. They're hidden. They're not like an app. They're hidden. They're like, know, you gotta hidden. go find them. She found it and made it work. It was amazing. You know, That's... and she's a Mac person, but she can do anything. I mean, I'm yeah always impressed by what she can do. But yeah. So I I wanted to ask you what you thought about that because I'm it really I really like it good because I want to use that like uh, for a a lead piece for either you know maybe do something on Facebook or promote the book or promote raising money for writing the book because I spent a lot of my money researching all the stuff about the war. But not like just you know going to a library. I mean, going to Vietnam and going to Cambodia. I mean, I spent tens of thousands of. I probably spent, I don't know, fifty thousand dollars in, in it, just researching that. And I thought mm -hmm. I should try to raise money to try to pay myself back rather than because the book, like I said, it's a three-year process, and I've done all the research and I've got a lot of it written. But I need to um, now either do Kickstarter, and I don't know. And I thought maybe you could help me with. Help me I run could, program. I'd, I'd love to help you run the program. Okay. I'm not uh, good at editing like uh, Kristen. Though. I don't care about the editing. I, I don't need editing. What I need is manager, you know, somebody that, see, what you're good at is you show up and set up the, you know, the Zoom mm -hmm. and make sure everything's working and 
and that's I'm young-minded. I can do that. Young-minded, and you'll the come weird, up with ideas. weird computer junk. Yeah, and you're not. You don't have to learn the word processor. Oh my God! Can you imagine if we still had word processors? I don't I know. even know what that is. I have. I'm not sure if I even know what it is. I want to Google it. I'm sorry. Just yeah. gonna word processor. So. You're not recording this, are you now? Are we done? Oh, I'm, we're still recording. Still recording? Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought, that, why this, not, you know? Well, why not? We're doing, this is yeah. the creative part of being creative. Is like. Uh, this is the word processor. Word processor. Yeah, here we go. Is this it? Is this, or is this it? That's it. That's it? That's what yeah, you were writing word, on? Those are word processors, yeah. It looks like a machine that prints out well, receipts. It was an IBM selector. It's one down at the bottom. This know. guy? No, no, no. Over on these ones down. Oh, I uh, over here. Yeah, it's one of those or something. But um, it's like a typewriter, but it has a memory in it. You know. Oh, so it's like. So, yeah, like that. You know, they all were different. But there was a whole bunch of them that came out. Um, but they were all called. That's what they were called. Word processors. No, quit. This is so weird. Is this it? the weirdest thing? It looks this like a keyboard. 90s. That's it's nineties. It yeah. looks nineties. The big, fat monitors. Yeah. <laughs> My dad still has a bunch of those. Oh, I know. I saw. Yeah. A million of them. He's got them at his office. He's got them upstairs. Oh, yeah. You can't throw them away. Whole garage full of. No, you can't throw them away. Yeah. Now, how yeah. did you? do that so that's called screen sharing screen share? yeah it's here i'll stop oh wait it's i can share more than one screen i'm not going to do that but i could so how do that's you do cool. that show me at the bottom do. of this window when you move your mouse it should show the menu at the bottom it's hiding it right now and there's a little green screen share screen thing. oh right there there so, so you I can share that. your videos that way. Most disabled participant screen sharing. Okay. So oh, I, I have to. I have to allow you to allow yeah, record files. Allow multi-pin. Or wait. Okay, so let's try multiple. That should do it. Can you do it now? I can put you in the waiting room. Oh, yeah. Okay, select the I window application. Uh. I don't know what that means. I'm lost already. Uh, select what window you want to screen share. Just do the first one. The first window is everything. But like, you could say do like just your internet window if you wanted to, but don't click on that. Just do everything. That way it's just it's just easier not to think about it. Files, Dropbox, information. Oh. Um, okay. Never mind. So here's my request is you figure go look at kickstart and i, I and know what kickstarter is yeah and maybe um like mm -hmm. i'm going to do a gofundme for my girls but i thought that that particular clip is really about writing a book about vietnam and cambodia and that's yeah. the one i want to get published and i've got a lot of it done if you can do the advertising for it i could totally help you set up the kickstarter yeah. thing well why don't why don't we do this why don't we touch base tomorrow if you free yeah you know, at some time and then let's discuss it and, I, and i'll look on it too because i've got the resources of random house and all these other places that i can you know drop things onto or whatever but i, I Here, wait i'm gonna i'm gonna end our podcast it's real great guys great because yeah, i also want to talk oh. 
excuse